glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I'm going to read this prayer out of my little prayer book, if I can see it. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, who art the light and life of men, we give thee humble and hearty thanks for all of thy blessings of thy merciful providence. And we commend ourselves this day and all who are near and dear to us, our family, our friends, our neighbors, to thy divine care and protection. Give us grace to so live that we shall not be afraid to die. Save us from all dangers of soul and body. Grant us strength for our daily work, sufficiency for our daily needs, and a right judgment in all things. We pray for our country that it may be exalted in righteousness, but those who exercise authority that they may be wise and just for all our citizens that they may be faithful to duty and obedient to law, that our land may be a land of liberty and peace, of true religion, of mutual service, acceptable to thee, our God, and honor throughout the world. Finally, we beseech thee, O Father, to protect and encourage those who by life and doctrine, at home and abroad, are proclaiming the gospel of thy redeeming love. Send out thy light and thy truth that all men everywhere may acknowledge themselves to be the sons of God and that thy kingdom may be established in all the earth through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Father, I ask you to continue to show me the things you want me to see. So when I speak, Master, it will be those things you want me to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I am so excited over the message, and I know it came from the Lord because I've never gotten a message so far in advance and had completed it in advance. And I didn't get this message just sitting up, speculating. I was asleep. At 2.30, I was awakened. I'm praying to go back to sleep. And of course, that wasn't his agenda. So I just started praying about some things about me that I know that I needed to be free from. And then eventually he gave me the message and I got up and I was up to 6.30 preparing. And then I laid down for a couple of hours. Amen. So don't get too excited when I tell you the title of this message tithes and offerings. <laughs> Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. So the supporting, one of the supporting scriptures, but this, this is the main scripture, is Malachi 3, verses 7 through 18. And as we cheat the Lord, at the same time, we are expecting the Lord to bless our lives. We want him to heal us, deliver us, restore our marriages, work out our dysfunctional relationships. We expect him to uh, provide favor with the bills we owe, new cars when we need them, houses with the furnishing and pay for the upkeep. 
pay our medical bills with grace money and control our bad eating habits to lose weight. The list can go on and on. But the Lord's reply is, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there should not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Your words have been stout against me, harsh against me, saith the Lord. Yet you say, now you know what, some of those words are probably, well, I'm, I thought I was doing what he wanted me to do, and still I haven't. Yet you say, what have we spoken so much against thee? You have said it is vain to serve God, and what profit it is that we have kept his ordinance, and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts. And now we call the proud happy, <laughs> or blessed, yea, that they work wickedness and are set up or raising up that they tempt God and are and even delivered. Then they that fear the Lord spake often one to another and say, the Lord hearkened and heard and heard it and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that fear the Lord and that thought upon his name or meditate that upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, well, my special treasure, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall you return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. You see, as the Lord told the Israelites, you should never attempt to defraud God in tithes and offering. It isn't out unto the church, which is what you are looking at. It is given as an obedient offering to the Lord for him to rain down continuous blessings upon you and your family. When we obey in tithes and offering, it is a recognition of our sub subjection to God and that he own us in all that we have. Remember, this is a sacred or spiritual duty that opens up the windows of heaven. To withhold the tithes is to renounce the sovereign authority of God, which was the same sin Lucifer was guilty of and was thrown out of heaven for denouncing God's sovereign authority over our lives. Remember when Satan rose up because of his gift, his gift of music, 
and he thought he was so high and mighty because, see, you, when, you, when, when we are uh, soaring in what we have been either gifted or talented to do, we forget that there is a God and that it all came from him. And the reason you are doing so well is because of him. And when you don't include him or make him number one, all of that stuff is going to fail. When we are in obedience and subjection to God, it opens the windows of heaven for God to shower us with all kinds of blessings, such as protection, grace, restoration, unexpected finances, things working out in your favor when Satan tries to destroy your harvest. Remember in verses 10 and 11 what it says? When you bring your tithes to the storehouse, how God will bless it. And verse 11 said, and he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. The devourer are certain things that pop up in life unexpectedly that you may not be financially prepared to handle, but because you've given your tithes and offering, God opens up a, a way that you could not even begin to see or phantom in advance to get you out and to pay for whatever is necessary for you to do. See, I'm getting hallelujahs from people who have actually experienced that. And you can't experience it if you're not a faithful tither. Okay? He's, it's, um, the ground you sow tithes and offerings in should be good ground. Good ground which means a place where the pure gospel is preached and the church is operating in respect, wisdom, and transparency, operating in godly stewardship and organization. Did you hear what I said? Stewardship over what comes in. Giving to the needy and not to the greedy. Being an aid to help people back on their feet. Donating to causes that is helping and empowering the American people. We see this demonstrated in Acts 4. Let's go over there. Because we need to understand that the church does not function on air. It's just like your home. If you're not working and paying the bills and doing what is necessary, you can't stay in that home. And everything that goes forth would not be able to go forth because there would be no provisions for it, right? Okay, so in Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 32, let's read what the early church did. It says, um, Acts 4, beginning with 32, And the multitude of them that believed were on one heart and one soul. That means they had one faith. They were united together in one spirit. Okay, that's the Holy Spirit. And neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own. <laughs> but they had all things coming. I know I ain't going to get a whole lot of amens and shouts and, or even smiles, but that's okay. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. Oh, God. They gave great power to the apostles 
of the witness of the resurrection. What did that mean? What they heard when they heard the gospel, they applied it to their lives and lived it out. And so the power and the resurrection shows. What you believe in when you walk in it is evident. Right, Roz? <laughs> Glory. <laughs> we saw you walking it out this morning. Hallelujah with no cane and walking with speed. That's because of the prayers and the righteous lifestyle. We're going to give God glory where it's due. Because, see, some of you don't even understand. And you didn't even understand when you saw some of us acting like we had lost our mind what was going on. That's because we knew what was the problem before. And we saw the finished work before our eyes. Glory. It says, neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of all the things that, they, that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles were surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, <laughs> having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. You see how the people came together? That's the tithes and the offering that provided the provision for those who were in need when they were in need. Now, you know, we always got these uh, very bright, intelligent people among us. Okay, so let's go to chapter 5. <laughs> and see what happens when you let your intellect dictate to your spirit. But a certain man, we're going to read 1 through 11. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price his wife had also been privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. What happened? They were doing what the other disciples were doing. They were selling their land, and they're going to bring the proceeds. They had made up their mind to bring the proceeds to the church. They had made that conviction to the Holy Spirit in their mind and in their heart, even though they didn't share it with anyone else. But because no one else knew about what they were going to do, they thought they could change their mind. They thought that they can lie to the Holy Spirit. You see, you told the Holy Spirit one thing, but you decided because now looking at this money, I can do some other stuff. You told the Holy Spirit one thing, but now that you're in the sight of this man or this woman, you feel like, well, and I'm going to do what I feel like doing, because it feels good to me. Hmm, okay. Three. But Peter said, Ananias, why haven't Satan, why have Satan filled thy heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? See, you think because you haven't spoken that lie out for other people to hear, that is not a lie. A lie is a lie spoken or unspoken, the moment it enters into your brain, you've given power to it. So the moment that lying thought pops up, you better cast it down immediately if you don't want it to take root. Don't think because you've been silent and haven't spoken it out 
that nobody knows and there's no wrong done. There's far more wrong done than you can even imagine. Amen? So he says, why did you tell the Holy Spirit that lie? And to keep back part of the price of the land. While it remains, was it not thy own? In other words, you had the choice. It was yours. But no, you want to look good before other believers. You want to sound good before other believers, but your heart isn't good and the Lord knows it. And that's what he looks at. He ponders the heart. He ponders the motive behind what you do and why you do what you do. He's not looking at the outward part because that is, should be the result of what's going on in the inner part. He says, uh, in not in thy own power, why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. In other words, he died on the spot. When you don't confess your sins and turn from them, don't be so high and mighty and arrogant to think that you're getting away with something. Because there's other kinds of deaths besides the physical death. There is emotional death and spiritual death. And there's a different kind of physical death that means your body doesn't decay and go to hell, but you get to live in pain, discomfort, and everything else that could possibly happen to you on this side of heaven because of your choice. Don't think that God is not seeing everything. And do, but first of all, you got to know who he is so that you will recognize that you don't play games with him. You can't defraud God or deceive God. So anyway, because he died, it says, and a great fear came on all them that heard these things. He was a witness to how you don't lie to God, okay? And the young men arose, wound him up, and what they, what they did is wrapped him up, tied him up, preparing him for burial, and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. Now, at three hours' time, and that Kushite had been missing, I would have been asking God, what's up? So that I don't follow in his footsteps. You see, you need to read your Bibles, ladies, because see, some of you are trying to submit to the devil, thinking you're submitting to your husband when you need to su submit to the Lord. Because if what what's going to be done is not producing good fruit, then you need to check the author of those deeds and those suggestions. Because the Bible don't tell us to submit to husbands who are not submitted to God. I don't care how you've heard it preached, but the Bible don't tell you that. It says to submit to your own husbands, but those are submitting husbands to his Lord, our Lord and Savior, who art in heaven. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. 
I, I, I told y'all I wasn't going to get no amens. And no, no, no. Okay, so after those three hours, not knowing what was done, she comes in. And Peter an answers unto her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yay, for so much. She told that same lie. Well, of course, she's, she's submitted to her own husband. <laughs> oh, I'm going to do whatever I want with this message. Then Peter said unto her, how is it that you have agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord? Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. He, he said, you're, you're testing God. That's, isn't that what Satan tried to do to Jesus up in the, in the wilderness when he was sent up in the wilderness after fasting for 40 days? And he's going to run some scripture on Jesus to tempt Jesus to sin. You're going to run scripture on the scripture, thinking that you're going to get some control. Hallelujah, Jesus. See, when you know who you're serving and you know who you are in him, Satan can't tempt you with the word. Because you know the word better because you have the spirit of the word as well as the letter. But those who are operating only in the letter but have not accepted the spirit don't have a clue about what they're talking about. Because without the spirit, you can't get the revelation information, which is called truth, that sets you free. The Bible says the truth will make you free. Hallelujah, Jesus. So, okay, back to nine. Then Peter said unto her, how is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Holy Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and they should carry you out. Then she fell down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. She died. And the young men came in, found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her right next to her husband. And great fear came upon them, upon the church again, and upon as many as heard these things. Sin begets sin. <laughs> and sin can drive you crazy, as well as it is binding, okay? So, when we take ownership of what God has loaned to us, remember your talents and your gifts were loaned to you, you don't have ownership of them. So when we take ownership of what God has loaned to us, we are being poor stewards, and he doesn't bless sin. Not only the talents and the gifts, but the children. They don't belong to you. You are a steward over God's property and you have a responsibility to him to raise them according to how he say they're to be raised. Not to your convenience, not to your understanding. Okay? So, giving is the same as planting a seed in the ground with prayer of faith and thanksgiving, which is watering the seed. What am I saying? When you give your tithes and offering, you are planting good seed in the ground. Now, your prayers, and I'm not talking about praying that God multiply it and bless it, 
I'm talking about praying for what is right and what is needed for you and everybody in your family to be holy and righteous by praying in a form of thanksgiving because you believe what God has to say is a form of watering. You know, when the farmers plant a seed, they got to water it in order for it to grow up. Amen. So when you're watering it with your prayers of faith and thanksgiving, prayers of faith, it means when I pray, I expect to receive. Because that's what the Bible tells me, okay? It causes a harvest of increase based on the strength of your faith. So how much of a harvest is predicated on your faith when you planted the seed and you begin to thank God and praise him for the finished product? Amen? However, when we refuse or neglect to tithe, or shortchange the, uh, the 10%, you know, because people have come up with their own way of what tithing is. Tenth, tithe means a tenth. Not what I decide I want to give. So when we decide to shortchange it, then that seed that is in the ground is uprooted, dried up, and withers away. Your desire wishes of what you're standing and believing God for is uprooted, dried up, blown away. Okay, I hope y'all getting the precept of this. See, you don't think that you got one life here in Christ and one life here in Christ and whatever I decide to do, that's what's going to work. No. This is why we are not as victorious as we need to be. This is why we are so emotionally torn all the time. This is why we suffer with depression and oppression because we don't know the word and we're not applying it and we're like seesaws going up and down, back and forth, rather than, let me tell you, he said there would be many afflictions, but... But, but God. So what did he mean? In this time where you are being afflicted because you know my word, you are obeying what I'm telling you to do, you can stand in the midst of it and not waver to and fro until your eyes see the victory that is in your heart because you receive what the Father have to say. Everybody that is walking, appearing to be, I'm talking about a born-again Christian, that is appearing to be, look, successful, hopeful, and joyful, is not predicated on what they have accomplished. It's predicated on who they know. But because they know and because they're having troubles just like everybody else is having troubles. They are being afflicted just like everyone else are being afflicted. But they do understand the part of the scripture says, but God, but God. And, and because of him, you don't let your life situations determine your attitude. You don't let your life situations determine your attitude. You have to learn to how to say in Christ I live, and for Christ I'll die. What are you dying? You're dying from your soul that is accustomed to being treated a certain way or having certain expectations, and when they don't show up, 
I've died to that. I have a greater expectation in who my Savior is. He came to save me, not just to go to heaven. He came to save me from the incident situations of daily living in this side of heaven. And you get to prove who he is. You get to let his light shine through you because because you are following his way. When people say, oh, you look so pretty. You look so good. He ain't talking about your physical looks. When you really know the, know the Lord. They're talking about there's something about you. It just glows. It just looks so good. They don't even know the turmoil that may be inside. But you know what? You're fighting it day and night through prayer with the word. You're fighting it. And because you're fighting it the right way, God don't let it overpower you. God don't let it bring you down. God don't let it be the substance that determines who you are and how you look. God won't let that happen because you put your trust, your confidence, and your faith in him. And he's not a man who lies, nor does he fail. Why do you think, glory to God, we have the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit comes to comfort you in a time of need. The Holy Spirit comes to lift you up, suspend you above the situation so you can keep your mind on God and keep your focus on Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit comes to bear witness of what the future holds for you. The Holy Spirit comes to speak things into your heart that only a born-again person can recognize, understand, and stand and hold on until they eyes see the difference. The Holy Spirit is your comforter. A Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not, I felt something. He is a person who comes with greatness, power, superiority, omnipresent. It blesses my soul when I think about how millions of people are praying and calling on God for something. And he answers everybody at the same time. We're praying here and people praying everywhere and God is taking care of everybody's needs. Do you believe that God is taking care of everybody's needs or you think you're taking care of your own needs? You think you're taking care of your stuff? Who woke you up this morning? It wasn't no alarm clock. Because the clock could have gone off and you would still be laying there if it wasn't for the Lord. And sometimes we need to wake up because sometimes he will wake you up and you don't budge. You need to get your butt up and ask God, what would you have me to do? How would you have me to pray? Stop laying around. And let me tell you, when you do that, he will restore you far greater than eight, ten, nine, whatever many hours of sleep that you think you need. You don't need all of that sleep. That's the problem. You've been sleeping your behind off, and you don't know what time it is in God's season, in God's time, and you don't know how to stand up to the things that is facing you and proclaim the good news of the gospel. Sleeping people can't do nothing for the kingdom of God. Wake up. Wake up. Tell your soul, wake up, soul. Why are you downtrodden? Oh, Jesus our human arrogance is unbelievable. When you get saved, 
You don't act like you used to act. You can't even think like you used to think. Do you realize that? And if you're still acting the same way, you still have the same thoughts, you ain't saved. I don't care what you spoke. Because the Bible says, confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart. Amen? When we refuse or reject to tithe and shortchange the 10%, the seed is uprooted, dried up and withered, stolen, devoured, or yielding out of season. Thereby, the fruit is destroyed. Let's go over to Psalms 127 for a second. 127. Psalms 120, 127. God, give us ears to hear and a heart to receive what your spirit has to say to us this day. Psalms 127. I'm, I'm going to read a couple of these songs around here just to, 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 to get you stirred up. Except the Lord build the house they labor in vain that build it. Y'all hear that? Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late. Glory. To eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are a blessing, are an heritage, I'm sorry, of the Lord. Children are are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is reward. As arrows are in the hand of mighty men, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with, with the enemies in the gate. Okay, y'all hear this? If you're building your house, you've just built it in vain. We don't do anything without God. Don't think so highly of yourself because you're setting yourself up for a fall. If you read the, the whole book of Proverbs, you'll get that wisdom. And when you're up watching or even got all your technical devices around what, to protect thieves and whatever, you need to learn there's one technical vice that you don't have to buy it. Don't cost anything. And it's for eternity. It doesn't terminate. Doesn't wear out. Doesn't kind of go out sometimes and you got to call the technician in or electrician in to figure out what's going with it. But there is a technical vice that you can use. And it's called prayer. You can surround your surroundings with prayer. Walk around your property seven times. Praying. And then you're going to get up early because you got to go to work. You ain't getting up early to be with the Lord. You got somewhere to be after you've set up half of the night and you're talking about, I'm tired. I didn't get enough sleep. Well, yeah, when you go against scientific facts that if you stay up half of the night and get up early, you're going to be tired. And if you go to bed and you get into bed and without your TV and go to sleep by 10 o'clock, you wake up refreshed and renewed scientifically. Okay? But... If you go to bed early, you rise up early, 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 and you pray, you are so refreshed and so renewed. 
you get through the whole day without ever feeling exhausted or tired, and your day seems longer than it normally seems. I'm talking about experience. I mean, this is not just biblical knowledge, okay? You got to try it, and you'll find out that you can go just like the, what is what's the bunny? Energizing bunny, okay? When you, when you pray and do what God has called you to do. Amen? Now, we can let our intelligence send us, before we even get there, to hell on this side. We were at the abortion clinic yesterday, and this gentleman who brought a young lady to the clinic to get an abortion, that he really wanted to make us know that that's not my girlfriend, that's not my baby. I just brought her here. But is she a friend? Yeah. But he didn't feel any responsibility or any accountability for the fact that she was going in there because she was just getting an abortion. And why are you all going through all of this for something like that? Because it's called murder. Murder, murder is murder. Abortion is abortion. Like, what boat did he come off of? Murder is murder, but abortion is abortion. What's wrong with you all? Boy, do you know killing is killing? And you let, because it's legalized, a terminology to determine to you what is really life, because the law said is legal, but God said, bone of my bone, all right, do you realize that that seed in that body is a blood and the life is in the blood? But because it's convenient, then you want to declare a difference between murder and abortion. Killing is killing. Your method of choice does not lessen the fact that you just killed a human being. But this is how we think without Christ. Because he really thought and he thinks that there's a difference between somebody who actually murdered somebody than someone who went and had an abortion. And don't don't be judging. Don't be so harsh because you don't know uh, whether or not they can, they can handle this or they're in a position to take care of a child. I said, Lord, don't let me lose my religion here because I really don't care. Why? Because since you are exercising your constitutional rights, because of this legality to decide whether or not to abort or not, why didn't you exercise your rights when you had a choice to lay down and do what it takes to become pregnant and then come up with this? I cannot, but yeah, I can. I can't I can fathom this, and I'll tell you why. 
I'll come back to this. Because, God help me, Holy Ghost. I have not put a dent in what I originally wrote, but this morning. Sin is so blinding. Sin makes you ignorant. Even if you got degrees. Even if you are educated. Sin will make you ignorant. Now, do you all agree with me that abortion is killing? Okay. But before Christ, we thought the same way he did. Because we didn't understand life. But more importantly, because before Christ, we are naturally selfish and self-centered. And what's convenient is what I'm going to do. And if it doesn't, I can't let this interrupt my life. I've got a life. But you never thought about it prior to when you could make a choice. You have the opportunity to make some choices that will not put you in a position where now the choice is all about you. Amen? This, this is why we need to be saved. Because you know what? I had probably the same thoughts and the rest of you had the same thoughts before we became born again. Because Satan is the God of ignorance. It's in the Bible. He's the God of darkness. He's, he, he is the God of lies. He's the author of lies. That's where lies come from. Lies don't come from heaven. He's the author of lies. So when we listen to him, we make wrong decisions. Okay, let me get back to tithing, and I'm going to get to the end of this. Tithing isn't something extra you do when you feel like it or when you think you can. It is an obedient act of a good stewardship and reverence unto the Lord. Okay? Now, you don't complain with the government. He takes 10% off of your stuff. 22. <laughs> and then you got to live off of the, the, the net. And, and so, you know, we need to learn how to, to give God his 10%. Because, see, the government is not going to give you favor or an increase. But when we give our sacrificial love seed to God and give him 10% off the top, now I'm going to say something else is shocking. Before you pay your bills, you're supposed to give the 10% off the top. If you don't, then he can't bless the 90% that's left that he causes it to multiply. Okay? Our sacrificial love seed to God will cause a return of multiplication. And some of that multiplication is love. We learn how to love God's way. Income increase, peace, joy, favor, increase in things, promotion, gifts, opportunity, long life, satisfied life, health, deliverance, supernatural help divine protection, godly wisdom, a 25th hour, strength, power, a sound mind. That's just 
a little bit of the list. It can go on and on and on. You cannot beat God's giving. You did not create yourself, so learn to trust your creator to manage your life. Your tithe to the church, you tithe to the church, but your offering can be given to outreach programs, uh, to real needs in and outside of the church. For the Bible says, give and it shall be given back to you. Let's go over there so I can read it verbatim. Press down. And I'll know all that because you go to some of these denomination churches and that's the song they put. Press down, shaking together, running over. Give and it shall be given unto you good measure. Press down, shaking together, running over shall men give unto your bosom. But with the same measure that you meet with it, with all, it shall be measured to you again. But guess what? The thing about it is that this scripture is not talking about money. Did y'all know that? It's talking about love. So when you obey God and do what is right, then it shall be returned to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Because that's what our obedience to the will of God will do. And when we obey God, that obedience is motivated by love, not by sacrificing. Okay? Helping the needs of others is motivated by a pure and holy love, not about the attention or what you're going to get in return. When you share, I'm, I'm going I'm to share some things with you about the Reconciled Church. When, when you um, give your tithes and offering, there are helping other things besides paying for the upkeep of the building, the paying of the building. So I'm going to tell you what we do here at the Reconciled Church so that you'll know what, what we do with the majority of the money that comes in here. We give to organizations that we feel is helping society, like St. Jude, Jay Sekulow, uh, for the, the um, literature for abortion protest and the literature for evangelism, okay? For Jensen's Franklin, who has got these buses to go out to protest against abortion. And there's some, there are some more, and, and some of them I can't remember off the top of my head, but ministries for worthy causes. Uh, we give for family needs. Now, the next few things I'm going to tell you as part of the 21 ministries and committees that we have as outreaches here. To our college students of the Reconciled Church to, uh, for their care packages. Book ministry for the equipping of the saints. Uh, the career readiness ministry. The daughters of Sarah. The etiquette training. All of the free seminars and workshops that we give and serve food. For tutoring and for the nursing home. We have to have things to give to people, whether it's literature, tools, or whatever. And when I say tutoring, we're not paying 
some outside skilled person. These people are donating their time, but they have to have the books and all of the things that they need in order to tutor that we supply. We supply everything. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? Okay. Um, uh, whatever we need to have in order to provide the services needed in these committees in these ministries, we are paying for that because God has blessed the church with the income to do it. But that's because we make it a top priority. All of these ministries and committees that we have, God gave them to me to start and told me who to do it, who had the expertise to make them fly and be successful. Because we are doing what God says to do let me tell you, <laughs> we are small in number, but God blesses us so mighty that we do and accomplish what big churches do. Amen? Why? Because we are trying to be good stewards over what God gives us. Now, let me tell you, tell you, tell you something else. It really ain't your business, but I'm going to tell it anyway. To those who don't know. I am not on no big payroll. Plus, we have an administrative staff that gets paid. They're not volunteering their service. They get paid because they work too hard to be just volunteering their services. Okay. But I am not on no big payroll. The church pays my rent and then provides for uh, our, our, our traveling when we do it, which, contrary to some, we're not all traveling places all the time. Okay. Oh, and they pay my cell phone bill. Why? Because I'm constantly getting calls and texts <laughs> from church folks. <laughs> okay. But I don't want to milk the church to give me some high power, high style living. Because I'm not facing God about some dumb stuff like that. Okay. I want to know that I'm doing what's right and not trying to live high off of the church that's not going to afford me no peace because that is not what God expects from his ministers or the church. All the church is required to do is to provide the needs of the pastors, not the greed and the high-profile high kind of living. Now, I'm, I've shared that with you to let you know when you give and you donate, it is not going to some greedy pastor who's trying to live high on the hog. It is going for the ministries that if you go out there and get the, uh, what you call that thing, that tells you all the different ministries we have and what we do. I want you to know what we do with the money that comes in here. We don't have nothing to hide, nothing to cover. But you need to be giving so that we can bless other people greater. There are still some things that I have a desire to do that is going to take money. And one of it is I just want a building for unwed mothers to live and where we take care of them and also provide them with the necessary skills to put them in the workforce as well as teaching them, you know, how to be holy, but mainly to prepare them to go back out in the workforce and to be able to live and survive, but where they don't have to worry about paying rent or anything else that we can take care of and have people on staff that can educate them, that can do whatever is necessary to do to prepare them to be who they need to be. 
Those kinds of things is what I want to do to help people. It's not what we do for Christ. That's, that's the only thing that's going to last. Amen. And there's too much out there. there. The women need to be educated so that they are not out there having sex, unwed, getting pregnant, and then having these abortions. Some of these men are making them have abortions. They need to know who they are in Christ and feel good about themselves so they don't make bad decisions that later on you got to make a worse decision. And though they think they got away and they're free, you're going to have to answer to God for the babies that you've killed. Now, change isn't easy. For most of us, change is not easy. Some people were brought up morally protected and directed and never indulge with sins of the flesh. And if they did, it would be like lying, cheating, and a game. <laughs> More childish type sins. So for them, after coming to Christ, the transition is a lot easier. Okay? Then it's those who have become tired of their sinful ways due to a slightly moral lifestyle. Or parents who were... Uh, either highly moral or saved, who led them correctly in life or prayed for them. They, their transformation is easier because they come expecting and desiring the change. And then you have those of us who were chief sinners, an educated and or intellectual who you can't tell them anything because they are convinced that their way is right and, quotation, I am not hurting anyone with what I do, so leave me alone type of attitude, okay? Their transformation is harder and longer because when you have sown to sin, once Jesus comes into your heart, there will be a tearing and a pulling. Jesus tells us in John 15 that branches connected to the vine, and the vine is connected, um, I mean the branches is connected to the vine, and Jesus is the vine, we are the branches, cannot stay connected to him without a pruning and a purging. In Romans, Paul tells us that our minds can only be transformed by the reading of the word of God. Remember, Paul was, and he declared himself as the chief of sinners. Once you've had an experience and a transformation with God, you know the difference, okay? For those processes to walk, they're, they're, for those processes to work, I'm sorry, they will be, there will be a stripping of ego, Rejection of the truth until something painful or devastating happened to shake you, to turn you to the Lord. Our soul suffers as those ties are pulled away by your sacrificial decision to humble yourself and try the word of God. And it's no longer your way or the highway. This also was why Paul tells us to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The fear is because no one wants to hurt, suffer, and be in pain. But until you try it, 
And unless you try it, you will never discover the suffering is short-term and is well worth it. Going to face things head-on will be a walk of trembling. As you say in your mind, I am coming, Lord, and I'm trusting you to do this and help me through it. You see, you got to make some conscious decisions. When I first got saved, because I would fit under this last group, chief sinners, and I said to God one day, do whatever you want. I'm yours. Have your way with me. And he says, do you know what you're saying? I says, not really, and I'm afraid, but I'm not going back. Because going back is a worse feat than moving forward, expecting to go through some stuff because he is stripping you from who you have become due to Satan, the world, family, and education, and everything else. We were developed by the course of this world. And when we come to Christ, he's changing that course and taking you into a new newness of life. And it costs when you have been living a certain way for so many years, that stuff is tied up. You have sown into it. And so for it to become detached, it's uncomfortable and it's painful. But it is a lot less time, a lot less pain than what it would be if you continue to try to walk in that way and call yourself something else. The process is to walk through. It's a stripping of ego, rejecting, rejection of the truth until something painful or devastating happened to shake you, to turn you or for you to turn. Because sometimes we, are, we, we, we so think we got it going on. Nobody can tell us anything. And God has tried many ways through his grace and mercy. And then he realized, I got to strip them down. I got to let them hurt so they, they can awaken. So something devastating happened. And it's usually the thing that you put more cretins in than you do in the Lord. So suffers as those ties are pulled away or by your sacrificial de decision to humble yourself. And I say, because for people like that, it is a sacrifice to humble themselves. But once you come into Christ, it's a privilege to humble yourself. And you recognize it's the best thing that could ever happen to you. Amen. Now, anything good or worth having comes with a cost. This is why you will never turn back because it costs too much. If it's easy, you don't think you have anything to lose. But when it costs you something, and it costs something to turn and change from who we used to be, prideful, arrogant, wicked, selfish, you can put all your own little stuff in there. I'm just remembering back in the past life. But once you cross over that threshold and come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he awakens you in such a way that I had to say, 
oh my God, how stupid I was. When I thought I had it going on, I was so smart. I was embarrassed by how I used to be once God awakened me. And then I felt so sorry for my mother who, because she was born again, who could see it, kept saying, you, 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 you're too arrogant, you know, just telling me all my things, and, and I'm not receiving it because I don't understand what her problem is. So after that, I felt so sorry for her because now I understand when you have crossed over to the right side and you're looking over at the dark side and you see it in your children, it's heartbreaking because light and dark cannot mix. And when you, you're wondering, Lord, will it ever change? Will, you're, you, you know what I'm saying? That's when you've had a real transformation in the Lord that you can see. If you can't see the evil ways of others, and especially those of your family, but you've been born again, there's something wrong with that birth. Because light and dark does not mix. One is going to cover the other. And you don't make excuses for sin. But you lead a pathway out for it. Because the making excuses because of a relationship is not helping them. Their blood is on your hand. And it definitely don't help you or make that relationship stronger that you have on this side of heaven. No suffering. No gain is easy to return back to where you came from. So it's good that we have to suffer because you would never have the peace and joy that you should have. There is only one way to suffer. Have gain, receive the victory, and be at peace with unexplainable and unspeakable joy. And his name is Jesus Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life. And at some point, all will, and especially at the end times, all will be calling on the name of the Lord, and every knee shall bow to the name of Jesus Christ. It is better to accept salvation now freely and cry out to Jesus, and then to be to have to accept him at judgment. You need to know him as a savior and not your judge. And since you have tried and done everything else and your life is none the better, why not try Jesus? Because you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. And I can tell you, like Solomon, I've been on both sides of the spectrum. I had plenty of stuff and no sense. I was popular and stupid. I had my choices of who I wanted to be with and no real intimacy. Do you know what real intimacy is about? It is not about sex. Sex is not intimacy. And that's why so many people are wounded today and there's so many women who are getting pregnant out of wedlock because they're really looking for intimacy, something that they missed, even they didn't get it from their parents and they're looking to be loved and they don't understand that sex is not love. 
It is the expression of a love intimate relationship. And when you have a healthy intimate relationship, then the, the sex is the result of that, not the cause and not the beginning factor. And people, your souls, your hearts, your emotions need to be healed. So when you, the right person comes around, you will recognize them because wounded people don't make good choices. But wounded saints who have been healed can help you make the right choice based on their experience and now where they are presently. Because you have somebody who have experienced what you experienced and got the victory and came out and now living victoriously for the Lord. The only person that can heal your mind your soul, your heart, and your body. His name is Jesus. And if you have not confessed through your heart, you've just did it through your lips, then you have an opportunity to make the confession right today. You have another chance to make the confession right you're not confessing Jesus to be a part of a church gathering. You're confessing Jesus to t kill that old man and give you a new man so that you can live life for the first time in life. Amen. So just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. I come to you to confess my sin and to declare to you I no longer want to walk in the way of sin knowingly or unknowingly I desire to do what's right to act according to your will and your way what I've been doing has not worked. Forgive me, Father, for my sins. Cleanse me. I need Jesus to be the center of my heart, to be the center of my life. So, Jesus, I invite you, come into my heart. Live in me. Rule me, guide me, and I forever will be your child. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I am saved. Thank you, Lord. I am free. Thank you, Lord. I am healed. Thank you, Lord. I have the victory in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I pray that you heard something that really promote a change in your soul. I gave you what God gave me. 
And I'm not up here to impress, to be a show. Souls are hanging in the balance. And I am grieved these days by what I'm seeing. I'm grieved more about the church, but I'm also grieved about what I see out there in the world. But when we go to those clinics and protests, we get to see death. And I'm not talking about the babies. It's heartbreaking when you hear what they're seeing and how they're acting and you know they don't know any better. They don't know any better. Because they're not hearing the truth. They're not hearing us speak out. And to say things, to make them realize there's another way. They got people at that clinic that's offering them programs and different things that will give them an, another option. You don't have to go this way. We got another option and it's free. We just want to help you. But Satan has them so bound and blinded, they reject the truth. They reject the truth. Let me tell you, when you meet Jesus at Judgment Day and you have heard some truths, you don't get to make excuses because you are responsible for every bit of truth you have heard. The best thing to do is don't come up under the truth because the Bible said it would make you free. And if you set up under the truth and rejected it, you declare, I don't want to be free. I like how I live for Satan. And there's nothing that you can say or do to change that. That's your declaration without even verbally speaking it. I'll do the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you, be gracious upon you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you peace, give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.